0: welcome to the deep dive emerald city hockey's seattle kraken podcast all right
1: rj it has been one heck of a day i know you've been busy running around doing pressers practices all that good stuff i've been here trying to keep track of it all um league-wide and of course with the kraken hanging out with everybody on twitter that's been a lot of fun but now you are back you have eaten so you should yes. be ready to go. We can do this. I've eaten. I'm here. We're good. Afra's down on her bed beneath my desk. Everything is all good. We can finally start digging into all of the trades that the Seattle Kraken made at this trade deadline. Few more than we expected. Uh, and it's going to be fun as we get to talk about some of those.
0: Absolutely. Uh, definitely some surprises last night and again this morning. So I'm so eager to talk about all this. This might be my favorite podcast of the season. This is right up my alley.
1: Oh, for sure. All right. So we're going to go chronologically through all of the deals, starting with the Cali Croak deal back on March 16th. That was, of course, Cali Yarncroak going to the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2022 second round pick from Florida, a 2023 third round pick from Calgary, and a 2024 seventh round pick from Calgary. We talked about this a little bit on last postgame, game RJ. But, you know, this is one of those deals that just made sense for everybody involved. Calgary gets Yarn Croak. He's going to help them out. He's going to fit perfectly into Sutter's system. Gets to go play with his cousin uh, in Elias lenome Gets to go play with his friend in uh, Jacob Markstrom. It's just kind of a perfect deal all the way around. And then the return was great for Ron Francis.
0: Exactly. Perfect example of a win 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 type of trade for both teams and then the player involved as well. Uh, you know, good value, I think, for the Kraken, 2. We talked about it uh, beforehand. What we would accept is, you know, kind of our benchmark for success in this deal. We agreed on a second and a fourth. Second, third, and seventh, of course, beats that. Uh, and it was interesting uh, hearing Brad Treeliving, uh, the Flames GM, talk about it uh, on the Jeff Merrick show the other day. And he mentioned, you know, that the comparable trade that he looked at with this deal was the Janmark trade uh, last year, Matthias Jan Mark going to Vegas. And I believe that was a second and a third. And the sharks got a fifth, uh, for, you know, the cap element retaining some money there. And so I asked Ron Francis about that today. And I said, you know, truly living, mentioned, you know, that deal was a comparable, you know, did you have any comparable deals for, for any ones that you made? And he said, you know, I think I was the guy who might've told him that, (laughs) you know, glad he agreed and we got something done. So, uh, that, that was a fun little, little story.
1: Yeah, that is pretty great. Um, yeah. Otherwise, there's not too much to talk about. It's just one of those deals that makes sense for both sides. Yarn Croak, along with Gio, who we'll get to in just a second, was you know one of those guys that we had highlighted. Felt really confident that a deal was going to get done. Got done a couple days ahead of the deadline, and um, you know just wish him well with Calgary. He's gonna have a pretty decent shot at the Cup, I think, this year.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. They're they're absolutely contenders, and I think he's in a spot that that he's got to feel really happy.
1: Yeah, and one thing I do want to point out, and I'll kind of point it out as we go, and then we can really talk about it at the end of this podcast after we've talked about all the deals individually, kind of the state of where the Kraken are. I'm going to point out that that second-round pick this year is from Florida. It's most likely going to be a low second-round pick. Uh, So I, I do want to point that out, that yes, it's a second, and then it's a third, but the third is next year again from a good team. So, you know, that is something to remember when we talk about all these picks like a obviously a late first is not the same as an early first the same can be said for all of the subsequent rounds as well so just throwing that out there sorry if i'm gonna get cynical everybody about that kind of stuff but i I do think it's worth mentioning when you start looking at the bigger (laughs) picture but moving on first gonna talk about the big trade we knew geo was going somewhere felt pretty good about it being toronto Did not expect it to also include Colin Blackwell, however. So the trade made yesterday, Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell to the Toronto Maple Leafs. In exchange, the Kraken get 2022 second round pick from Toronto, 2023 second round pick also from Toronto, and the 2024 third round pick also from Toronto. So this is a big one, RJ. We knew Gio was going to be going somewhere. Like I said, felt reasonably you know, good about saying it was going to be Toronto. We wanted the first round pick back. I think Ron Francis wanted the first back. Instead, realistically, probably the two seconds with Blackwell making up that third rounder. How are we feeling about it? We, we talked about it briefly yesterday, but how are you feeling about it having, you know, slept on it and with everything else?
0: You know, it's it's a complicated trade and there are a bunch of factors here. And I do feel differently about it today than I did yesterday. And, you know, part of that's sleeping on it. But I think most of that is hearing Ron Francis talk about the deal, how it came together, all that sort of thing. Because I I felt like it was one that we couldn't fairly judge until we had heard Ron Francis' side of the story on it. Uh, And part of that is Giordano, you know maybe wanting to go to Toronto and Francis did confirm that's where he wanted to go. That was his preferred destination. Uh, so I think that factored into it. Um, it's funny. Francis was asked, uh, you know, what about that rumor, basically that he had asked for a first round pick there. And he said, you know, I I'm trying to get first round picks and all the trades that I make, you know, realistically, you know, you should always ask for a first round pick. Um, but I think what ultimately, you know, is going to decide, you know, whether this was a good trade or not depends on your opinion on the Geo to Toronto thing, because I think it was a little bit light on value as we recognized at the time. And I don't know that you can necessarily even really argue with that. It's something that even, you know, people on both sides have kind of acknowledged uh, as far as what the value was, but there was a dynamic of it being the team's first captain and Ron Francis likes to do right by his players. And I want to share with with you this answer that uh, Francis gave about whether or not Gio kind of used his limited no trade clause, because he had 10 teams he couldn't be traded to, to kind of steer a trade to Toronto, because that was another uh, factor there that Gio had some trade protection. So here's the quote from Francis. Gio was great. We talked about that. I said, how do you want to proceed? He said, I'm not tying your hands. You can trade me anywhere you want. I said, okay, but legally, I need you to give me a no trade list. And he gave me 10 teams that weren't in the playoffs. So it was never an issue with him. He was first class the whole way through. Now, that's that's pretty significant because Gio, according to this, basically didn't use any of his trade protection. Trade me anywhere you want. Do what you got to do. I'm going to be a team first guy. You know, the height of class there and Francis, you know, so he could have. He probably could have gotten a bigger return. He probably could have traded him elsewhere. But Francis looked at that and said, you know what? I want to send him where he wants to go. And he made sure to get a deal done with Toronto. And I mean, how do you feel about that Dylan? Because that's certainly a trade off there. It is. And I'm, I'm really
1: conflicted about it as a, as a whole. And I think kind of my stance on everything will become more clear as we get to some of the later trades, but you know at at first I'm I'm really happy about it. I want the reputation to be around the league that the Kraken are going to take care of you. The Kraken are not in a position to be successful. They're going to help make sure you're in a position to be successful, which is ultimately what trading these guys to playoff bound teams is doing, right? You're they're getting to go for a chance to to play for a cup. That's very significant, all in of its own. Um, but the fact that, you know, no, we're also going to take into account what you want. Obviously, we all knew Gio wanted Toronto. He was not going to make that a sticking point for Ron Francis, but it was not a secret either. And Ron Francis did his best to, to honor that for Geo because Gio was willing to, you know, kind of take one for the team and um, allow Francis the room to work. On the flip side, you can say, well, look, Ron Francis's real obligation is to the Kraken. It's to the Kraken fan base to make sure that they have the best team and the most competitive team, you know, every single year, not just this year, not just next year, but building long-term. So you can argue that, you know, we shouldn't be doing that stuff if it means that we're getting worse returns because of it. I'm in favor of, let's go ahead and Build, you know, keep good working relations with people. I think hockey, all sports, but especially hockey, is one where you never know what's, where these people are going to end up. I can't, you know, in the last 10 years, so many former players have become general managers elsewhere in this league or presidents of hockey operations, assistant general managers, scouts. They all go, you know, they all stay in hockey. They become coaches, right? I think it's totally. You know, it's worth making little sacrifices like, you know, oh, we didn't get a low first. Instead, we got two seconds. I think that's a small sacrifice to keep a good working relationship with Geo and to send the message around the league that this is how you operate. Now, I think where things get a little different, and I'll talk about this probably more so when we get to the Appleton and Johansson deals, is, you know, they also kind of sent this, the message at this deadline of, If you're on an expiring deal, you're gone. (laughs) And I don't know that those two messages align as far as being player-friendly entirely, but I also can't say that for sure because I don't know the conversations that went on behind closed doors between Ron Francis and all of the players on expiring deals. So overall, it is what it is. I think it could have been better, um, but the thing that I think... It still is sticking with me as part of this deal has nothing to do with geo and that is the loss of colin blackwell because i've been really beating the drum of i wanted to keep colin blackwell around long term on um, francis has been talking a lot about building the core group of guys that he wants to you know move forward with season after season with i wanted colin blackwell to be included in that I I loved what he's been doing with Yanni Gord. I mean, every single post game now for like two weeks, we have just talked about that Yanni Gord line with him, Blackwell, and Mason Appleton. I mean, I mean, we're gonna get to it, but like, how bad <laughs> do we feel for Yanni Gord today, right, everybody? Like, it's it's rough losing I know. both of losing
0: both his line mates. that, that is rough.
1: Yeah. Um, so and it just kind of came out of nowhere. I thought you know, Colin Blackwell on an extremely cheap deal gonna be able to re-sign him, give him a two hundred percent increase on what he's making now, he's still gonna be very reasonably priced. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just thought he was someone that from a locker room culture standpoint, from an on ice play standpoint, from the way he was gelling with someone we know is solidly within that core group of guys in Yanni Gord, I really thought there was a good chance that Colin Blackwell was gonna be uh, you know, hanging around in Seattle for for, you know, at least a couple more years. And to to trade him and essentially have the return only be a third for that and a third three years from now, like three drafts from now, that one, it just stings.
0: It does. And that's something that kind of hit us right away as we were getting ready to record and and it came out that Blackwell was going to be part of the return. Uh, We were pretty surprised to see that. And, you know, I, I echo a lot of your sentiments there about you know, the, the culture and the right type of guy to have on the team, loving what he brought, especially with Yanni Gord. And that you know, I, I know he's a pending UFA. I know you probably could not have gotten a deal done with him before the deadline. And so on paper, it certainly would make sense to move him. And, you know, if you're Blackwell too, and this is tough because we don't know the conversations behind the scenes, but if you're Blackwell, I'm thinking if I'm in his skates, you know, am I really looking to resign with, with Seattle right away before I can hear what's on the market. I don't think so. And I think Blackwell has been underutilized a lot of his tenure in Seattle. I know there was a rough start, you know, with him missing training camp and whatnot, but I I just got to think that, that maybe there's a team out there that's going to utilize him a little better. I know the Kraken had started to do that recently, but you've got to at least hear what other teams have to say. And so I think, you know, Ron Francis felt he was kind of in that spot where you know, he's kind of forced to either get a return or, or basically lose him for nothing. But still, I, I think as far as the message that you're sending to the rest of the team, as far as what you look for, what gets rewarded. Um, if Blackwell, you know, was interested in staying the rest of the season, then, yeah, I I don't know about him being included in this trade. And I'm obviously not happy to see him go.
1: Yeah, like I said, I, and I had brought this up. I don't remember if it was on a deep dive or on one of the postgame lives. Uh, really like a week, a week and a half ago now. I brought up the idea of, you know, when people were talking about Johansson and Blackwell and, and the idea of just moving all of these guys on expiring deals just to make sure you got something for them. And I brought up the idea of, I don't know that you want to send that message to players around the league, to players on your own team, that anytime somebody's on an expiring deal, if you don't sign an extension, an extension with us, we're just going to get rid of you. You know what I mean? Like, you don't necessarily want that to be your reputation either because, you know, it's UFA status for so many guys. Really, every NHL player is such a big deal. It's the first time you have any say in your career, right, is the ability to become a free agent, listen to all offers on the table, and choose where you go. Otherwise, you're drafted by someone who then has team control over you essentially until you're 27 at least. If you don't sign a longer term extension it's a long time it's the first nine years of your career you're just stuck with whoever drafted you or whoever they trade you to so I, I i get why ufa is such a big big deal for these guys at the same time i feel like you know i don't know like i said it just it just kind of rubs me the wrong way that we just essentially dumped all the ufas all the rfas that we could at the deadline just to make sure we got something even if that return in some cases might have been minimal such as with this Blackwell one
0: yeah i mean i'm not necessarily against trying to you know get as many assets as you can for for ufas and even rfas that you don't view as part of the core i i think i'm a little bit more to that side of it than you are mm-hmm. that it, that it's okay and and certainly you know a guy like johansson i know you talk about the importance of unrestricted free agency you know he's he's been there he's done that a few times and he's kind of bounced around and i i bet you he, he probably was you know sent to a spot that he likes we'll talk about that later yeah. but I, I i don't necessarily mind that message if the team has performed poorly which I mean, gosh, they're, they're near last place in the league. Yeah, they have, you can't really argue with that. So given that the team performance, when you're that far down in the standings, I think it's okay to maybe send a message that no one is safe. That's not necessarily how you're going to run things always. But if, if the results are how they have been, I don't have an issue with it. But Blackwell is one of those players where given the effort that he put in, given what he showed night in, night out, that's where I might have an issue.
1: Yeah, that's what, that's what I said. It's the one that that kind of gets me, and like I said, that's the duality that I brought up before too. With when I was talking about the geo thing, I totally get it. Uh, as I was said before with Ron Francis, with the the geo trade, Ron Francis's real obligation is to the fan base. It's to the Kraken. So yes, getting rid of somebody that you don't think you're going to be able to re-sign, get literally whatever you can for him because that's better than nothing. It's just one okay. of those that. I don't know, in in certain situations like this with certain players like him to essentially get a pick, a a mid-round pick three years from now, it feels very like you literally got all, you know, the only thing you could for him. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like you got a ton for him. The way that this next trade feels like RJ, and that is of course, Jeremy Lauzon going to the Nashville Predators in exchange for Nashville's second round pick in this year's upcoming draft. This one completely caught me by surprise. Given how, you know, how utilized Lauzon has been this year through all of his ups and downs, I really thought that the Kraken viewed him as a long-term part of this blue line. And apparently
0: they didn't. No, uh, clearly they didn't. And... I mean, it's a long trade showcase, if that's what it is. Yeah. (laughs) You know, basically throughout the whole season, giving him all these opportunities. Uh, But, you know, whether or not the Kraken viewed him as part of the core, as someone who's really valuable on the blue line, clearly there was that uh, value around the league, and Nashville certainly thinks so. Giving up a second-round pick, which is crazy to think about, that's probably the highest single draft pick the Kraken got through all these trades. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you look at where Nashville is in the standings. I, I, I bet that's probably the highest pick that's going to come out of all of this. Mm-hmm. And it's for Jeremy Lozon, who probably the first real whipping boy and fan whipping boy in Kraken history. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, someone that that I know we gave a hard time. Uh, I mean, here, I'll just read the Ron Francis quote uh, on the Lausanne trade from today. You know, honestly, in Jeremy's case, he's been good for us. I wasn't really looking to do it. But, you know, teams are offering a second round pick. And we felt that that was more than a fair value for him. I would argue, I would agree. That is more than a fair value for him. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, probably so. Um, again, kind of fitting in the theme though, of, uh, uh, you know, somebody who not under contract for next season. Now he was going to be an RFA, not a UFA. That is, you know, a big difference. But again, who knows what conversations Ron Francis had with him about his future in Seattle, about where Lausanne was as far as looking at that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it does feel like one of those Nashville probably approached him about something. And as Francis was kind of kicking the tires on the return, it sounds like that return caught him off guard and surprised him. And it was one of those that he did it yesterday and while he could before Nashville might change their mind kind of thing rather than push for the best return possible. Like that's almost what that quote says to me, you know, kind of reading between the lines, um, I I get why Nashville did it. They love their big, strong defenseman. And you know what? If anybody is going to be able to help him kind of put everything together, it is going to be Nashville. Like, that's just what they do. They just turn every defensive prospect ever into a really solid blue liner. Uh, So I'm happy for him. He's going to go somewhere that, that should help him out, go somewhere a little more competitive than Seattle this season. And then, yes, that return, I agree with you you know, assuming Nashville doesn't go on some insane playoff run. That is going to be the highest pick that the Kraken get this year from all of these moves. No one could have seen it coming from Lausanne.
0: Absolutely. I love this trade. Probably the best of the bunch, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, fantastic trade. And I I think you made a good point, though. Nashville, they love their physical defensemen. Mm -hmm. They're good at coaching them up, too. Don't be surprised if Lausanne actually turns into a really productive player for them. A lot of the mistakes he made early on and you know don't get me wrong he made a lot of mistakes, but most of them were of the very coachable variety mm-hmm. uh, and you know Nashville feels like they can work with him and I don't doubt that they can
1: no and again something that we have brought up he has made huge strides over the course of the season here in Seattle like he he was not the the player leaving us now is not the player that started the season with us. He is Absolutely. way, way better. Um, we, we were not calling him out night after night the way we were. We were not circling him on, you know, uh, video reviews of Goals Allowed as being the reason why that goal is allowed. Like, all of that stuff stopped. So he was putting in the work, and I'm sure that also factored into things for Nashville as well. Joining him, though, out the door last night, uh, another kind of surprise trade, although maybe not as surprising uh fellow potential RFA Mason Appleton going back to the Winnipeg Jets RJ in exchange the Kraken get Winnipeg's 2023 fourth round pick so we know the Jets were interested in getting Appleton way back at the expansion draft like they did not want to lose Appleton at all we knew that this was always kind of something on the table Kraken kind of seemed like they really thought that they had something in Appleton just like we did before the season started um but uh, you know for whatever reason right things have not worked out in seattle and so it gets to go back to winnipeg
0: yeah and i mean good for mason first of all i i know he played well there and you know you saw a lot of promise there last season the jets clearly valued him as a player and continue to value him um and i think this kind of fits into again ron francis maybe trying to move guys where they want to go and this was an interesting quote to me from from francis today i think four of the six guys that we moved went to places that were probably their first choice if they were getting moved Mm -hmm. so obviously didn't say who the four of the six were but i would bet appleton is probably one of those four
1: yeah i would agree and um and i think it's interesting too because this is really the only deal that winnipeg has made this trade deadline and they've been very active that is adding a player Almost everything else they've been doing has been selling, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so that probably opens up potential for Appleton coming back in. We know that was one of the issues with him last year was just he was kind of buried on their depth chart. It's probably going to get a good look now moving forward there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, someone they they have really high hopes for. Uh, I think it's a good fit for him. Do you think Francis probably suffered on the return a little bit, maybe in trying to get him to go to the right destination?
1: Maybe a little bit. It's it's hard. I mean, like I said, when you look at Appleton, when you look at Johansson, given how they were playing this year, uh, given just kind of who they are in general as more depth forwards, um, you're looking at kind of mid-round picks. That's just the way it is. Now, ideally, you'd like to get that mid-round pick for as soon as possible draft-wise so you're not having to really wait around because even if you hit on a fourth-round pick, that fourth round picks probably taking two more years to get to the NHL and then, yeah. And then another year before they're substantially productive for you. So in essence, assuming this pick turns into somebody, we're looking at somebody helping out this team literally five years from now. Yep. Like that's, it's like, all right, okay, we got an asset that maybe five years from now is going to be useful for us. It's hard. Like, that's just something that's hard to stomach. I get that everybody's excited about how many picks that the Kraken have gotten this deadline, and we'll get to this more so in a little <laughs> bit. But when you when you think about it as, well, we lost a player that we had some control over. He was only going to be an RFA for a potential asset five seasons from now. It's It's just kind of one of those, like yeah i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah i think the value probably a little underwhelming there mm-hmm. you know in, in the big picture it's fine but especially for an rfa that's what confused me mm-hmm. because usually when you have the team control i know it's only for you know one more year it's just the end of this year he's an rfa but still usually that adds a little bit more
1: yeah, exactly so that one was a little surprising to me um but now we move on to you know, the last deal, we're assuming it's the last deal. We know that there are still several picks, to mm-hmm. uh, several trades to be announced um, just because of the, the big backlog that happens every year. Trades slowly trickle out. Um, and that was another interesting one. That is Marcus Johansson going back to the Washington Capitals. That's where it all began for him, right? I mean, that's yes, certainly yes. where he rose to prominence. But
0: yeah, it's where he began. Yep.
1: Yep. Uh, So going back to the Washington Capitals in exchange for Daniel Sprong. So we actually got a player this time, somebody who could help us out right now, which is kind of needed given how many players have left this lineup. They need some bodies to play.
0: Exactly. And commit this to memory, everyone, because this is another Kraken first, another Mm -hmm. trivia answer. Who's the first player the Kraken ever traded for? It's Daniel Sprong. Yeah.
1: Dutch boy. I love it. Uh, And coming back along with Sprong is a 2022 fourth-round pick from Washington and then Washington's 2023 sixth-round pick. So I guess my first question for you, RJ, do you think this means Marcus Johansson will go back to being called Marcus Johansson now?
0: Quite possibly. I mean, you know, if the broadcast team still remembers and all that, because that's what he was called when he was there in in Washington. Uh, so I think that that might be happening.
1: Yeah, I had a whole Twitter conversation about the the many uh, pronunciation pronunciations he's gone through in his NHL career. It was uh, Johansson there. It was uh, Johansson, and then it was, and then now it's been Johansson here. So it's been been interesting. What is it really? Who knows? Hopefully him, Who actually. Knows? But yeah, hopefully he knows. <laughs> Hopefully he knows. So it's gonna be interesting. But this one um also caught me a little off guard because I just thought, again, it's you're getting something for him back. You're getting a pretty decent return in that, you know, you're you're kinda of getting the same thing as you got for Appleton, but with an additional pick, and certainly then a player in Sprong who we can talk about in a sec that I think is good. But it was one of those also where it was just like, okay, you're just clearing house of every expiring contract now. Like, that's the only thing that we could say. When is Shayn out the door? Like, hey, Shane would have something to say Shea, about that. But I, I know.
0: He might be the only one left.
1: Yeah. And who knows, right? We, the trade could come out an hour from now. Shayn's mm-hmm. gone. So, but otherwise, I think it was good value. You're getting back, uh, you know, you're trading a depth forward essentially for a depth forward with a little bit more potential, getting some mid round picks you know, who knows if they'll ever turn into anything, but uh, you're at least helping him out, go, you know, try to fight and help the uh, Capitals try to get into the playoffs.
0: Exactly. It's a nice bit of business, I think, all around for both teams and the player. Um, You know, Johansson, again, he's one of those guys that, I certainly wouldn't have put his untouchable. I was surprised to see him move just because I wasn't sure there'd be that interest for him, mm-hmm. you know, around the league and clearly Washington, you know, they knows what they know what he can do. They've seen him before, uh, but I just thought that there wasn't going to be enough interest to get him moved, to get a deal done. And, turns out there was and Francis I thought got a really good return given a player that I didn't even know you could get anything for so a fourth and a sixth you know more than Appleton and then Daniel Sprong uh, a player that uh, (laughs) I know you've liked dating back to his draft year we have the original footage of you reacting to him being drafted. you're like oh that's nice you know to your to your penguins at that time Um, so you know hasn't hasn't panned out as well as maybe you thought on that day but still there's some potential there um, and yeah, they'll see what they have. I mean, although this is interesting, uh, quote from Francis today on Sprong, cause I did ask him about Sprong and Pouliot, the two players they brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the quote that was a player, uh, Washington wanted, to, or that was a player they wanted to get back to us, meaning Washington. Mm-hmm. Dan is a young player. He's got some skills so we can come in and, and we'll give him a look in the last 19 games and see what he can do. So, I think <laughs> that's a player that Washington <laughs> wanted to get back to us. So I think yeah. they were looking to move Sprong to make the money work. I don't know that there's really anything that the Kraken saw in him there. Cause generally when you ask about a player, the team, you know, has just acquired uh, the GM will try and go out, you know, say something nice or say something, yeah. Oh, we like this or this about him. But I really do think he was kind of thrown in to make the money work. We'll see what he can do. Uh, but I-, I wouldn't expect the team to be too high on him at this point.
1: No, I I keyed in on that right away too when I saw the the transcript (laughs) from the from his statement. I was just like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." I was like, "I guess the best thing you could say about it beyond just well they had to do it to make the money work is that Washington liked him." That is the sense that I got was that he was liked around the Washington building. So maybe they were like, "Look, you know, we need to get rid of maybe it's Sprong and someone else on the roster. Let's let's give him the chance to maybe go." to a team that now really has a lot of openings in it and maybe you can get some more playing time and maybe a change of scenery will help him out because you know, in some ways kind of Ryan Donato esque coming mm-hmm. to the crack. And I was thinking about Donato. Yep. They play a little differently. Donato's got a little bit more of that like power forward edge to him mm. that Sprong doesn't have. But again, you're, you're bringing in somebody new who's bounced around the uh, Seattle's going to be his fourth team already. Um, and, you know, maybe things click for him here. Otherwise, I look at him, and this is a guy who twice has been on pace for 20 goals in an NHL season. Like, he's not bad. His wrist shot's fantastic. It always has been. That was why I was surprised back in 2015 that he fell to the Penguins at 46 overall, because this is a player he put up a ton of points in the queue, lots of goals, always had that, you know, ability to him, hasn't quite figured out maybe the rest of the game Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, you know, and that's kind of why he's been uh, shipped around from team to team and why he's kind of always buried on depth charts and stuff. But, you know, maybe that happens here in Seattle, the way it kind of has for Ryan Donato. It, It could happen. Otherwise there's a lot worse flyers you could take on than him
0: for sure. For sure, yeah, and eager to see what he can do. Uh, got to talk to him just a little bit, media availability. You know, this morning he said he's plays an offensive style of game. He's got a good shot, you know, when, when describing his own game. Um, yeah, we'll see if he's able to get to Arizona in time uh, for the Krakens' next game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a, a real fun thing to see, RJ. What's this team going to look like now from a lineup perspective?
0: yeah I mean, you know hackstall basically said this already like look we're we're just gonna try and figure everything out tomorrow. It is what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and there were no lines in practice this no. morning. They had ten forwards. there were no lines, yeah, you know, d pairs a little bit, but <laughs> they, they'll just basically figure it out last minute.
1: yeah, I was gonna say, do we want to kind of transition into looking at that like what we think this roster is going to look like now after all those trades before we get to you know the more longer term approach?
0: uh sure yeah let's take a look at that
1: okay so yeah I mean if you count sprong the, the kraken essentially have 12 forwards on the roster six defensemen on the roster so exactly how many you would need to play a game um mm-hmm. with no scratches no, nothing helping them out I think defense is the easier place to start just bringing up kale flurry right
0: yes uh bringing up kale flurry and I know they picked up you know Derek Pouliot off waivers mm-hmm. today another quote where i don't think there's a a whole lot of expectations for him i want to read this just because it's funny yeah you know we i asked you know what would you like about him you know he said we moved a couple of d out the other day we've got a couple guys banged up in charlotte so as a precaution you know to bring some more depth on the back end he's a former eighth overall pick so he has some talent hopefully we can work with him and see if we can get it all together
1: yeah another another failed penguins draft pick by the way we'll just yeah, Before everybody <laughs> points that out to us, yes, we're Love aware. Um, yeah, uh, former former uh, Portland Winterhawk, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting player. Yeah, just never figured it out in the NHL. Like, no, <laughs> absolutely
0: not. And, and it's just at the NHL level has looked pretty bad defensively. But, you mm-hmm. know, the, the talent was there. I, the
1: talent was there on a stacked Portland team. Like that's that's I think kind of the retrospective looking back on it was well he never had to defend on that Portland team because the rest of the team was so good he could just focus on being an offensive guy and put up a, you know buckets of points every year. I know Pittsburgh thought he was just going to be the next Chris Letang. That's uh, did not did not happen at all there. Um, so yeah, I I think uh, Kale Fleury is probably the guy on defense to get get him back up to seven D. It's going to be weird this team not carrying eight defensemen. I mean, we're assuming they're not right? going to carry eight defensemen. Maybe they will.
0: <laughs> I, I looking at the forwards, they might. Uh, maybe they. Maybe they will. I mean, and also Ron Francis, by the way, added that Coland will be up for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, Coland is actually counted in the twelve forwards that right. I was talking about. Uh, Coland's counted in there along with Sprong. Um, Forward wise, I mean, we've seen we've seen Max McCormick several times throughout this year. Alex True, do you think he gets brought back up? Like, what you think I, I think doing probably
0: here? at some point. Those are the two guys, True and McCormick. Those are the two we've seen. And looking at the Charlotte stat sheet, those are the only two that really stand out at forward to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those are probably the two guys.
1: Uh, exactly. I, I agree. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the big the big thing moving forward now from a roster perspective is being able to see Hayden Fleury and Will Borgan in the lineup every night.
0: Yes, like that's, that's just going to be, be
1: huge. It's going to be huge yep. and, for them. Go for it.
0: And and Francis talked about wanting to see what these younger guys can do. You know, he talked about Flurry and Borg and Cole Lind as well, uh, and really giving them a chance to to succeed. And I'm so excited to see that.
1: Yeah, and hey, let's all be thankful that they weren't shipped out too, all on expiring deals, all pending it's true. RFAs.
0: And and you know what, Francis actually did if you believe him exercise some restraint there you know this quote from today i think you could have looked at making more deals but then it really depletes you even more i think as tough as it is to move guys out it's also tough on the guys that are left behind in that room so you know he was thinking about it it is something that he had in mind
1: yeah i mean i almost wonder if they didn't have a game tomorrow Mm -hmm. And he could then more reasonably refill this roster to be an actual NHL roster just from a bodies in the room perspective if he would have made more deals. But but yeah, I mean, because I was looking at it, once it became clear this is what was happening and that RFAs were now on the table after the Lauzon and Appleton deal, I was just like, oh my gosh, here we go. Hayden Fleury, I was like, is there a market for him? He's hardly played... Um, and, I, and, you know, the two names that jumped out forward-wise were Donato and Geeky. And I was mm-hmm. like, there would be riots in the streets if he yeah. did that. Can't do that. <laughs> Cannot do can't, that. Can't do that. Uh, so we get to keep them. It's all good now. Um, all right. So looking at things, RJ, from a uh, future perspective, looking ahead to this offseason and future off seasons, mm-hmm. obviously the Kraken have a ridiculous, re- ridiculous amount of draft picks like stupid amounts of draft picks um what it's like four and a half drafts worth of draft picks in the next three (laughs) like crazy (laughs) insane amounts of draft picks as well as plenty of cap space moving forward Mm -hmm. and so I do want to give Ron Francis credit for doing both things I think all along he's wanted to have more of a we're going to build this team and it's going to take time and we want to have that future approach, the three to five year plan that he was always talking about. Right. Um, but I think he's also put the team in a good position to be aggressive in free agency. Like he brought up a couple weeks ago as you know, and the, again today, yeah. As the fan base kind of wanting and ownership is for surely probably wanting. Um, I, I think that the Kraken are in a really good spot to be more competitive next year after adding pieces in free agency without it necessarily turning into a, a bad thing for them. like if they go out and spend big money on a couple of free agents well look you've got a million draft picks coming down the line to fill out your roster with with good entry level contracts
0: exactly and when you look at the big picture because i think that's kind of what we're transitioning to right mm-hmm. now uh i think he round francis has put the kraken in actually a really good spot and this is as optimistic as i've been about the future mm-hmm. of the team probably since around the start of the season before we all kind of knew what was up, you know, with what the roster was. And I think he kind of Ron Francis kind of laid out the roadmap today, as far as what he plans to do and what these draft picks are for. He mentioned he's got 25 draft picks in the next two drafts, which again is crazy. Um, But one thing he said is I hope I don't make all those picks. Mm -hmm. You know, I am hoping I don't have to make all those picks. He wants to move some of those picks to get help. I mean, um that's that's what the plan is i mean he mentioned you know we didn't do all this to draft and develop and be good five years from now we did this to give us the tools to try and be better next season and that's what our goal is and he kind of explained it like this he said you if you're making trades and you want to bring in a player to help the roster get better now what teams are asking for is either draft picks or, you know, prospects, guys you've already drafted, like a Matty Beneers or a Riker Evans. And he said, you know, we don't want to give up those guys, obviously, and you certainly don't. No. Um, and then when it comes to draft picks, he said, look, we only had seven draft picks. Our pipeline isn't <laughs> isn't what other teams are, just by by virtue of how little time we've been around. But now that we've acquired all these draft picks... That gives us some ammunition to go and add players, potentially, uh, to go and find things that can improve our roster. And we've seen Ron Francis do this before. I think of the Tevo Teravainen deal Mm -hmm. in Carolina. That's certainly something that, with what the Kraken had before the deadline, was not open to them. They did not have Mm -hmm. anything to give up that would make sense in a deal like that. But now they do. And I think it's going to be a really interesting offseason because Francis is going to be open for business and he's going to be looking to weaponize those picks because I think that mandate still exists, basically, from ownership to compete sooner rather than later.
1: Right. And I love that because that's where I'm kind of looking at things, too, because as I brought up earlier with a fourth round pick, best case scenario for a fourth round pick is that it's it's helping your NHL club in three years. After you make that pick, realistically four, if it's going to be someone who's going to be a good NHL player long term. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, oh, nobody's ever been found in the fourth round. I could go down a long list of very good fourth round picks, many of whom were traded for higher picks literally today. Yes. <laughs> there was there was I was kind of surprised as I was going down the list. I was just like, or certainly at this deadline, Andrew Cop, Ben Sherratt, former fourth round picks is Pretty, pretty interesting um, there. And and there's tons and tons of great players. Johnny Goudreau was fourth round pick. Just, you know, right. You can really find good players in the fourth round, but again, they're not going to help you overnight. And your odds of finding the Johnny Goudreau in the fourth round, it, you could have a hundred drafts and maybe only find one of them. So, they don't excite me that much. I love the idea of saying, oh, we've got 25 picks in the next two drafts. But I'm like, realistically, you you still only have your own first round pick in each of those two drafts. That's, I think, the thing that sticks with me because in the NHL, the drop-off between round one and round two is big. Certainly round two to three and anything beneath that is, is large as well. But even within the first round, the drop-off from like the top 20 to then... You know 21 through 32 is really big in the nhl and so i really hope that he gets aggressive and either trades a lot of these second round picks either packages them for established players that can help out the club next year or to trade into the first round because i think that that that's really just the way to go for any team but i think especially for the kraken as they try to build you know round out their core and and build to
0: be competitive sooner rather than later Exactly. And, and I agree with, with your standpoint on the draft picks. And yeah, again, I hope he doesn't make all those draft picks, uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see him kind of weaponize those picks. And at the end of the day, draft picks are essentially currency. That's mm-hmm. the currency that you have uh, in the NHL when you're trying to make trades, when you're trying to get things done. And, you know, the Kraken... Did not have a whole lot of currency before this. Mm-hmm. You know They build that up and they are going to be free to use that in in different ways this offseason.
1: Yeah, and it, I will remind everyone, though, this is again where my cynical hat comes on. Mm-hmm. They are currency up until you have to make that pick. And we True. have seen teams die on that, too, where all of a sudden they do get stuck with maybe having 10, 11 picks in a draft because they did not properly utilize it. Uh, ahead of time they kept holding out for something better whatever it may be and all of a sudden you're stuck having to make all those picks and as in any draft it is an inexact science and most of those picks are not going to work out for you and so uh, it's one of those it's great that we have the currency but then it just Talk about how horrible it must be to be a general manager, RJ, that you can do all this work, get all these picks, and then it just immediately becomes, okay, well, what are you going to do with them now? Right? Like, if you're never in a win, you're never in a winning situation because there is always something that comes after that. And what comes after this trade deadline is, okay, how are we going to use those picks? How are we going to utilize them? What are we turning them into? Um, do you have a preference on would you rather see an established player trade versus just maybe you know lumping all these second rounders together and getting uh, you know two additional late first rounders like do you have kind of a preference
0: um it it depends on kind of the players that are there and and you know what what you see i know there are certain guys that'll that'll drop and that maybe you're interested i think it gives you the option to do it which is just nice to have um and i i do trust the Kraken scouting staff from what mm-hmm. they've done so far very good early returns On on guys like Riker Evans and and Ryan Winterton, who are in that second to third round mix. Um, So and I think for the 2022 picks, it's not the worst thing in the world if the Kraken maybe gets stuck with one or two more picks than they were hoping to have because of how limited the prospect pool is. I think they're in a unique situation where even if you do get caught holding the picks, it's not like you can't use them. To expand your you know you, you're yes. not gonna overload yes. the prospect pool certainly not this year um so i i think that works out okay mm-hmm. um but yeah i think it's something that certainly if they if the scouts are telling you there's this guy that's you know probably an early to mid first round talent who's fallen into the end of the first you know francis i think should package a couple of those together go up and get him
1: yeah the a,
0: a daniel sprong
1: perhaps <laughs> <laughs> yep find the next daniel sprong <sighs> Gosh, but I mean, but you don't want that either. Um, it is interesting, yeah. Because draft picks are always fascinating to me in sports, and especially in the NHL, because it's it's not like baseball where you have you know five farm teams worth of roster you have to fill out with right. you know your hundred draft picks every year, and it's not like the NFL either where everybody's older and they're so valuable because your third round pick is going to be a starter on your team. You know what I mean? Like it's not like that at all either. Um, it is really unique. And I, and I always loved the ridiculous concept too. every, you know, draft day and on the draft floor, just being around there, RJ, how, you know, that second round pick is so much in that morning. And then Mm -hmm. it literally, you can watch the value of it plummet as the day goes on. And then the moment you pick
0: somebody with it, that prospect is worthless. It's like a new car, you know, drive it off the lot and there, and it loses most of its value. Yeah, it's true because there's all the possibilities in the world if you were to, you know, pick uh-huh. that and have another team actually pick their guy, but the chances right. are that your guy is their guy very little.
1: Exactly. And it's one of those that the closer it gets time to that pick vesting, essentially, mm-hmm. it's it just it just loses money. It it's it's crazy. It loses value. It's it's a really weird concept. So, I would like to see in the off season any sort of deals get done sooner rather than later. That being said, realistically, you know, by the time the cup finals usually end, it's only a week before the draft. Usually uh, they get like a a weekend in Vegas to do the award show. And then everybody's off to where the draft is held, which I believe is Montreal this year. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting what the Kraken do. Um, Because again, the other thing was not only are they second round picks, they are low second round picks, all of these. Yes,
0: pretty much all of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Kraken one won't be. And I think that's what helped them out with Riker Evans and Ryan Winterton was, they were essentially taken at the top of each round.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I think for a lot of these low seconds, maybe you're looking at like the the Winterton type of thing, you know, where mm-hmm. it's almost like a high third.
1: Yeah, and so it's it is one of those things. The value it drops off very quickly. I don't know if you want to get into the the pick value charts and stuff, RJ, or if you feel yeah, like why we've not? kind of covered it. Okay.
0: No, I think let's real quick, because I I think uh, this is interesting to look at and something that, you know, anyone who likes learning about this side of hockey, you know, the roster Mm -hmm. moves, all that kind of stuff should should probably look at because it's something I I find very entertaining. And I think it'll inform a lot of trades, especially that you'll see on draft day. Right. Um, And maybe it'll
1: help. Keep people from getting too mad at me when I'm just like, yeah, okay, we got all these picks. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the most important part of all of this: preventing it, people from getting mad at Dylan.
1: It, exactly.
0: Um, but anyway, I mean, we shared on Twitter, and Dylan, Dylan shared it first, and I <laughs> stole it for for <laughs> for the ECH account. Thank you for contributing that, Dylan. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we shared a, a couple. Draft pick value charts last night on our Twitter, which you can can go back and find. But um, the the one we shared is from the Athletic, and it uses um, a, a metric called uh, GSVA, which stands for Game Score Value Added, and basically that's uh, game score. And game score value added are are metrics created by uh, Dom over at the Athletic, and it's it kind of uses um, you know some traditional metrics, some more advanced metrics, but basically assigns you know like a, a game score value essentially to a player's performance, and then game score value added is is kind of a, a number that shows that player's impact essentially you know on on adding games wins to his team kind of like war uh, you know uh, wins above replacement kind of like that but anyway it helps you uh kind of compare one pick to the other as far as value added and so you look at that chart and i believe i, I remember we were looking at maybe pick 25 for mm-hmm. the leafs because we were talking about the geo trade and assuming the leafs get picked 25 because that's what they had last year mm-hmm. um the the total game score value added for pick 25 of the draft was do you have the charts open? yeah it's 3.4 It's 3.4 whereas if you look at two second rounders that are pick 25 of the second round right. each one of those is going to be worth i believe 1.3 yep so for a total of 2.6 so that shows you at least from that model and that's kind of using past draft results mm-hmm. uh that that two seconds is going to be worth less than a low first
1: right because those two seconds are are lower in the second round yeah if you have a high you know 37th overall in a draft that's worth 2.3 yet you know 37 38 you're you're getting better value than Mm -hmm. than it but realistically looking at the picks that the Kraken got back this is what I was saying was important was Florida's what they got Florida's second round pick that's going to be very low Toronto's second round pick that is going to be very low Nashville's It's not going to be as low, but it's not going to be high either, potentially, especially if they make the playoffs. So it is one of those things where the value that we were hoping for, like in the Geo trade, a lot of people were like, well, two seconds, it's, you know, it's rather than a first, you know, that's kind of like the same thing. It isn't. It's just not. not when you're talking about playoff bound teams, teams, you know, that are going to be competitive. It isn't. It is not equivalent value. And so it's just one of those things. And like I said, the drop-off from pick 20 in a draft at a 4.0 GSVA value to pick 50 in a draft, it which is at 1.6. Like, that's huge. I know it's only 30 picks. It's essentially a round's worth of players taken in between them. But that is a huge difference in being a top six player versus a bottom six player in a lot of ways. And so, exactly. Exactly. And so that, that's one of those things where this is why, why, you know, okay, the Kraken can have a ton of picks. And if you add up the value of all those picks, if they all work out, especially those mid round ones, and they eventually come to your roster years from now, maybe you can get better value than if you bundle these to try to move into the lower end of the first round. But I just think when it's all said and done, you are just better off trying to get as many first rounders as possible bundling those picks if you can if you can find someone who's willing to do it to trade into the first round because the value is just so much higher there and the miss rate is so much lower too which i don't know it gets totally worked into all this as well you know what i mean yes exactly like does someone who never makes it to the nhl get factored in in this i don't know so um it's it's just one of those things i just think for the Kraken if if they're not going to trade those picks for established NHL players I want to see as many of them bundled for as high a pick as possible
0: agree and, and I and I think it's something they should certainly be open to um and, and just cool to look at you know the, the value of those different picks and that's again why we were kind of uh you know had that sticking point about the mm-hmm. first round pick and why we kind of really wanted the first round pick to be the return in the geo deal because it is worth more than two seconds uh, and there is a difference there. And, you know, again, you can weigh the whole, it, it, you want to do the right thing by Geo, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Totally legitimate argument. But just know that, yes, you are sacrificing value for that.
1: Uh, exactly. And I I hate to be like, you know, to, like I said, putting on my cynical hat when it comes to this thing. Because I know how excited so much of the fan base has been the last two days on Twitter, RJ. Because of how many picks we have, because it is so crazy. Like this is the stuff we would do in an NHL game or on Eastside hockey, RJ, right? We've got a team get like a million draft picks and just be able to do whatever we want every draft, because that's just really fun. And certainly from an armchair GM standpoint, that's the dream is just to have all of these draft picks. But at the end of the day, you can have a million fourth round picks. There's still very few of them are going to help you and they're not going to help you for a long
0: time. And so that is true, but that's not a reason not to be excited because draft picks are currency, and you know, Ron Francis is now in a position to spend. It's going to be a very exciting offseason.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be fantastic. Forsberg, let's go. No, no, no extension announced in Nashville. Yes, stayed (laughs) yet, but stayed in Nashville. I I don't know. I think, I think there's going to be something there. If not, Johnny Goudreau. Yep, (laughs) not a bad consolation
0: prize. Exactly. That's, so, that's But, sure. you know, if, if Forsberg resigns, if maybe a good resigns, then that just means it's all that more important to have the currency to go out and get yes. guys via trade, because that's going to be the avenue that you're going to have.
1: Yes. And I I would love to go around looking, RJ, for guys that the Kraken could trade for with these picks, but that would Oh, take... you know we're
0: going to do that at some point. I was going to
1: say, that's going to be something that we're going to have to save for at least NHL playoff time when we're going to be freed up schedule wise, Uh, not as much going on with the Kraken because otherwise it would take hours for us to go through each roster and really try to look at all these things. Um, Hours that you know, we'd love to spend doing that. (laughs) Right. Going to bring this up because just announced another Seattle Kraken trade. Okay. The Seattle Kraken are getting Victor Rask with 50% of his salary retained by the Minnesota wild in exchange for future considerations
0: oh that was my favorite player dang it
1: i know so um gosh do you think those future considerations will literally turn into anything rj because sometimes they don't
0: do they do
1: they ever (laughs) maybe once in a while somebody's like hey i kind of like this guy in the sixth round he's you know my son's friend, can he do, let's just do this. Yep. And they'll be like, all right, I guess I owed you
0: one. <laughs> but... yep. no, seriously, sometimes they do turn into things behind the scenes like that. That's... I don't know that we'll ever know what those future considerations are. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Minnesota's re- retaining salary on that deal.
1: Yeah, 50%. They're retaining 50%. Yep.
0: So that that makes sense. I mean, there, there's history there with Ron Francis and Carolina. And if I mm-hmm. read correctly, I think uh, Rask is going to re- be reporting to Charlotte. Yes. Okay. So I think Rask probably you know could use a change of scenery. It wasn't really working out for him in Minnesota. He knows Ron Francis, there's a history there, and most importantly, Dylan, they got your boy. They got you've boy. talked about acquiring Victor Rask a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was the guy that you maybe even wanted the Kraken to get from Minnesota in the expansion draft, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't realize what all the center options were going to be and everything for this team. <laughs> uh, I thought that he might be a good choice for them there, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. He's been fine. Point per game guy in Iowa.
0: Hmm,
1: That's, that, that's something that is something. Um, You can't tell me that the Kraken would be in a worse place today If they had taken (laughs) Rask instead of Susie, (laughs) I guess in the standings, no. You know what? (laughs) See, see. So you know, maybe, maybe things would have worked out uh, after all. But yeah, yeah, happy to have him. I think we're going to see him at some point before the season's over up in Seattle.
0: I would think so too. And it's not going to hurt really. I mean, just take a look, see what you've got. Um, It it just makes sense. And the Rask thing though, I got to, you know, tell the story behind it real quick. It was kind of weird. We finished with the in-person questions uh, at the Ron Francis presser today. And so then it goes to the zoom questions. And the first one comes from Ryan Clark from the athletic. And it was a two part question, but one of the parts was, you know, is there anything you could tell me about, uh, Victor Rask and the Minnesota Wild and any kind of deal there. And Ron Francis says, uh, "You will know, no, I I can't. I'm not going to comment on that right now. You know, maybe we can talk about it later." And so we all just kind of look at our heads because we hadn't heard anything about Rask. But uh, credit to Ryan Clark, you know, he's got his sources. He was on that well before any of us were. Um, so yeah, cool to see that all come together after <laughs> knowing about it for a while.
1: Exactly. I think that was the that was the one thing that we. Had any sort of inkling might happen. Uh, glad we were able to squeeze that in there right here before the end of the podcast too. Because yep, how how perfect deep dive would it have been if the moment we stopped recording that was announced?
0: I know, right? That's uh, that would be fitting.
1: <laughs> it, it would be so. That's our deep dive into this trade deadline for the Kraken. Everybody, um, as always, let us know. Tweet at us. Leave comments on YouTube. Let us know your thoughts. We've, you've been doing a pretty good job of letting us know your thoughts about everything all day, actually. We've been having a lot of fun on Twitter. It's been great as always. Um, but let us know your thoughts as you, as you think about it. Let us know what you think of those trade value charts, uh, the draft pick value charts and everything, and um, you know where, where you kind of stand with what you'd like to see Ron Francis do with all these picks. You want to see him make all those picks you want to see them traded for an established NHL player this off season, or do you want to you know see if you can just bundle them all up and get I don't know RJ maybe the first overall pick just do a 35 picks for one see if you can make that happen with Montreal if they're there
0: if I was the Habs I'd think about it
1: I mean, everybody would think about it, and I think the team taking the first overall pick might be able to actually say they got the better end of that deal. <laughs> Certainly, from the value standpoint, you would. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, that's that's gonna do it for this one. Everybody, thanks for being patient as this was kind of late getting out. Um, We obviously needed to wait until the deadline was over so that we had the full picture. And here, Ron Francis, thanks, RJ, for being there and reporting on all that. Because I think that that answered a lot of questions people were having, both from yesterday and today. And with that, we are going to see you all next time.